0: have um the first time I displayed it was at Art Night and I really didn't like it because it was in an alleyway but it was at sunset and mm. it, there are these like golden hour shots that are just oh, yeah. absolutely stunning they are like by far my favorite photos of Saunders so there's like some more like general shots like that and then I'm a big fan of there should be one this is, this is, like, of um, like a close-up kind of. Hi, my name's Gwendolyn Wiley and I'm a senior at New Roads. Um, Sonder, uh, my piece um, that I did for my independent study, my junior year was um, very different in the beginning. I honestly couldn't even tell you what it looked like in the beginning. I didn't know what it looked like in the beginning, and then it it just changed a lot over the course of me working on it. Um, the main idea stayed of of kind of exploring, you know, the kind of the interaction between individuals and the community and how how we look at the world and look at communities as individuals and how we are able to play a role in that. Um, and that's where the, the word Sonder kind of comes in. I'm actually working on a, a project that I'm super excited about right now for my Visual Arts 4 class with Addie. I'm going to recreate The Last Supper. Um, It's going to be massive, so it's going to be a singular painting for the entire year, Um, and I'm reimagining kind of not necessarily what The Last Supper would look like in modern times, but also not, not doing that. It's kind of more of a commentary on like the similarities of what the world looked like back then and what it looks like now, and how the human aspect of both of those worlds is still very similar um and how kind of human nature connects us like through time and space and how how um what we are as humans has never seemed to really change much um so right now i think i'm gonna put jesus as a baby in a high chair and then i'm doing some thorough research about each apostle. One fascinating thing is Leonardo da Vinci, the painter of The Last Supper. He had a tendency to make young men very feminine. Um, So I'm excited to do something with, um, oh, I'm forgetting the name of the apostle, Um, the one on the the right of Jesus. Um, But I'm really excited about where that's going.
1: From New Road School in Santa Monica, California, this is Village Voices, intergenerational conversations that cultivate an expanding curiosity about the world and its people. This is Episode 7, My Favorite Project.
2: I can't can't do that. I can't like like smack stones together while we're recording. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. The mic's all yours. You and your rules. Hi, I'm Corey Wallace. I'm a middle school math teacher at New Road School. Uh, yeah, I guess, um, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about a DIY project. So I, I fell victim to the idea that um, you can watch an internet video on something and just know how to do it. You know, we were just talking about that, about how it's really easy in the days of information at your fingertips it's great. It's a double-edged sword. You can learn so much about the world, about other people, connect with people, but you can also really just like convince yourself that you know how to do more than you can do. And I fell victim to that in the form of a 19, no, what was it? 2003 Toyota Camry brake job. So I, in an effort to save money, I said to myself, you know, I, I, I don't know what happened. I think I saw an ad. It might have been an ad where I saw like brake discs, you know, 80 bucks, and I had gotten mine my, change myself, you know, 500 bucks. Well, that's, I'm getting ripped off, you know? It's obviously a scam. What are they? A couple bolts? Psh, I could do that. No problem. So I decided um, when the last time that car, the last time it brakes, its brakes started squeaking, I decided, all right, I'm going to do this myself. So I watched a couple of videos. And the other thing about that is these guys who make these, these, these people who make these, um, maintenance videos, make it look so easy with the magic of editing as another thing I didn't realize before I'd started, but I figured, all right, I watched a couple of videos, no problem. I can do this. So I went to my, you know, my carport parts store, got my brakes, got the brake shoes, got a little ratchet set, not even one that comes in a case It can make a little zip cloth bag. And that should have been my first cue. That's, that I was woefully unprepared. Just like life advice to all of you out there. If you're doing a major job with tools and the tools come in a little zip cloth bag, you have to, you have to reassess some of your life choices right there because you are probably not equipped to deal with whatever's about to come your way. And I found that out the hard way. But so, you know, I watched the videos, I got the brake discs, I got the brake pads, and um, I even bought the little like latex gloves, which I don't know if you've ever worn, but they're absolutely awful. So that also should have been an indicator right there that I was not cut out for this. But you know, I I watched the video three or four times. I watched several different videos, so I feel like I'm pretty well versed in how to do this. And I get into it, you know, I start loosening the bolts, take the brake mechanism apart. Um, I loosen the pressure so I can get the, the mechanism, the clamp, they're called clampers. I don't even remember that push the brake pads together, um, on the disc loosened up and I'm, I'm just flying through it. I'm feeling like just trying to think of the name of a famous mechanic, but I can't, anyway, I'm feeling like one of those pit crew guys for the Indy 500, right? I just feel like I, I, I've got this down. This is so easy and I'm already fantasizing about all the money I'm going to save from the rest of my life for all the car repairs from now on like this is great i've been a fool all these years you know and so i get the i got the brake shoes and, and the assembly for that on pretty easily and get the brake pads just three or four bolts and get the tires i even took a picture of my car without any tires on it up on jacks and like sent it to my friends i was like check me out how do you like that i did that um so i get in and out i'm feeling good about it I even followed, uh, watched a couple of videos about what to do after you get your, your, your brakes on your car. And you're supposed to pump and tap the, the brake pedal a couple of times until you feel pressure return to the brake line. Did that, felt the pressure come back. I'm feeling really good. Drove down my street a couple of times, tapping the brakes, going a little faster, slamming the brakes on to see how they're catching. They're catching, feeling even better about myself, feeling fantastic. Go back in, you know, park the car in the garage, go to bed and set the alarm to get up and go to school the next day. So next day, and this was several years, several years ago, I, was, I had to drive up the 4.05 to get to work. And it's, you know, in the morning. So it's, what, 7, 6.30 in the morning. We've all been on the 4.05, stop and go the whole time. I get about a third of the way to work, and I, I start to smell something. <laughs> I'm not too concerned because if you, you drive the 405, you, you're going to smell things. Like it's just, you know, it's, it's, sometimes the 405 itself is on fire. So whatever, I'm feeling feeling okay. Even makes it even funnier. I actually saw someone I work with um, next to me in one of the other lanes of traffic. And like we're waving, you know, and doing that whole thing. We kind of see someone you work with. So I go another maybe five, 600 yards. And I notice smoke up uh, my window on the side of the, the driver's side ever set window. And now I'm getting a little concerned. It's white smoke, which I think is, I told myself again, this might be the same effect of watching internet videos. I was like, oh, it's white smoke. That's okay. Side note. I have no idea white smoke blocks. I don't know. I don't know why I even told myself that matter, but I was like, oh, it's just a little white smoke. It's fine. Maybe I spilled a little oil somewhere or something. Keep driving. Two, three hundred more yards, stop and go traffic on the 405, and it is now completely evident that there is smoke billowing up from underneath the wheel well of my car through the air system through the passenger window through the side window i'm in a cloud at this point like i'm james bond trying to avoid detection like at the smoke screen going or something there's people like driving by like waving and pointing i'm trying to play it cool like oh yeah and i'm i'm fine i'm fine let's go it's fine, let's go. I'm, fine. I'm fine i'm fine but i'm terrified because there's smoke building out my car and the last thing you want to have to do is pull your car over on the 405 and have to get out of it i mean that's What's worse than being in a car on the 405? Being out of a car on the 405. So I pulled over and I uh, just had to turn the car off. The smoke kept coming out for another five or 10 minutes. It eventually cooled down. So I realized, okay, I'm not actively on fire now. So that's good. Uh, stashed the car in like a, uh, I don't know, it was like a, I think a McDonald's or something. Called an Uber and had to Uber to school. Then spent the rest of the day like Googling, brake, Brake fire and what I found out was I had neglected to it's called glazing the brakes you're supposed to heat them up and brakes discs come out of the out of the store with this like uh, residue on them I guess maybe it's some sort of um uh, lubricant but you have to clean them to make sure there's no dust on them and make sure you heat them up so that glaze sort of settles at the right consistency so I don't honestly see there you go I don't understand I don't know I don't understand what I was supposed to do So I had to drive around for a good solid week. And so instead of glazing the brakes, I glazed them by driving. So everywhere I went, I had people coming up behind me, like waving their arms, like, hey, are you okay, man? You're on fire, you're on fire. And uh, after, luckily after about a good week, it started to taper off there, but it was a good humiliating week for me. (laughs)
3: Hello my name is Sophia. We had our fifth grade wonder project and I chose to do my wonder project on immigrants and my mom found out about a place called The Nest or an organization called The Nest that usually creates a school for immigrants and they had one in Tijuana, Mexico right by the border. Uh, It's a basically a free school for children any age that are immigrants, and this one was nearby um, a church. So we decided to go and visit it to, like, actually see what was happening and what was going one-on-one, and the reason they did it nearby a church was because the church was for immigrants, so there are thousands. I think there's 800 families at the time that were living in that church, it was kind of sad to see the conditions that people were living in. It was also kind of nice to help out with the children. They all, they didn't speak all the same language, actually. Most of them spoke. Most of them were Spanish-speaking. I do remember that all the teachers were really nice. Upstairs, they had a class for parents. The classrooms were really nicely set up, and being there during the day, all the kids were happy and excited to go to school, which is probably something that you don't get as an immigrant. It's probably a privilege. I put a bunch of the information from what I had found in there and I put some of the pictures. We weren't really allowed to take pictures unless um, we had permission to from somebody. I also talked about Title 42. It was a law that the president um, had put in place, President Trump. They basically took the COVID as a reason for not admitting people into the United States, and Biden promised that he would take that away, which he didn't, but he did technically, but now they put in a law, or they did put in a law where before coming to the border, you have to stop in these little like huts along the way and get service there or, or um, register online on an app. But the problem with that was that, one, most people didn't have phones, so it was hard to access the app. And then also those little huts along the way didn't have shelter. For the younger kids, I stayed mostly with the younger kids. There was a lot of playing more um, and less learning, and it was interesting because some of the younger kids kind of would share their stories with the materials, kind of communicating without talking almost.
4: My name is Jacob Alexander, I am a senior. As of recently I've been like really really like um, invested in like the fashion world. Um, And being that, well I mean like, cause like I haven't been in it for that long, I mean I just started in like my junior year, but for whatever reason as of recently I found myself like sort of like exploring new things and um i i don't know it's like it's been it's been fun i mean as like just recently i had um i had made this like really really like interesting skirt it's like i mean i'm sure you know you've seen it obviously yeah. i've worn it around school many times um it's this like long white skirt with like several different pleats across it but it's not very consistent it's just like pleats in certain areas and just, it's just the inconsistency is what makes it great in my opinion. And I love it. Um, it was sort of like a very, it was a very spontaneous project. I just, I had like a piece of canvas, like lying around in my closet and I was like, "Hmm, I wonder what I could do with this. So I just decided, let me just put a couple pleats in here and see what happens. And then like over time, like, I mean, I didn't think anything was going to like come out of that. I just felt like this is just something like to practice with or whatever. But as time went on, you know, I left it alone for a little while but then came back to it and then it became what it is now. And so I added a bunch of really nice, interesting things on it that are like um like office supplies. I put like binder rings across it so that like anytime I walk it just sounds like I'm a living like instrument of some sort it's really it's really great honestly when it comes to this kind of stuff i don't ever really have any like plan it sort of just like happens it's like 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 sort of like i guess reacting to like a certain environment because like with that piece of canvas i was just like like a senseless creature trying to figure out what i needed to do with this to make it make sense so like there really is no plan i just i just do what i can, really, honestly.
1: Hello, my name is Mark Ines. I'm Ben's dad. He's an eighth grader. Well, I've been fortunate to work on a lot of great projects in my career so far. Um, And uh, one of the most fun and innovative, I have to say, is a project I did in Saudi Arabia. It was a competition for a soccer stadium. And it was pretty unique because the location was on the edge of a cliff in a desert. So it was really a three-sided stadium with the Royal Box having views across the field into the canyon, into the cliff. And um, so that was pretty unique. And so it was an opportunity to really be creative and be innovative because of the site and because of the, um, the mission and the, um, aspirations of the client, which are extremely large. So, um, you know, it's obviously a very hot, uh, climate. It's a, it's a tough climate. It's, It's also in the desert, so there are sandstorms. And uh, part of the brief was to create a um, retractable roof uh, stadium, which makes sense. You know, we have retractable stadiums here, uh, for example, in Atlanta. Um, And one of the things I've noticed is, first of all, that a lot of retractable roofs are mechanical, which might be tough in that environment with sandstorms. So, because the sand might get into all the mechanisms and screw up the works. So, uh, that's number one, uh, an issue. And number two is a lot of retractables also, when they're open, the, sort of, the sun is always moving. So, the location of the shade that it provides is changing, which means the location of the sunlight changes. And sometimes it's actually on the fans, So in Saudi Arabia, you literally cannot sit in the sun for five minutes. So you have to design a retractable roof that can work in that harsh environment, but will always provide shading. Always, 100% of the time, you know, on a spectator that's sitting there for two hours or three hours. So I came up with a system that I just sort of invented. I came up with um, a roof that had no moving parts per se, no mechanical parts. But initially, it was a series of balloons that were spaced apart from each other. And when they were deflated, the sun could pass through. And when they were inflated, they all touched each other, if you can imagine, and so it provided shading. So across an entire roof, you can actually track the movement of the sun and inflate the particular balloons that are at the right angle at that very moment to keep shade entirely on all the stands and allow sunlight only on the pitch. And um, that was you know, a great idea But it was not really feasible because there was no such balloon mechanism that could be that large scale. We're talking about tens of thousands of balloons up there and inflating them and deflating them. So I came up with another system, which was an alternate, which worked the same way, which was a series of uh, these fabric balloons made of ETFE, which is a structural fabric, which a lot of roofs are made of on stadiums. And those, those balloons, those balls, had a layer of uh, smart film inside of them, which uh, turns opaque with a low voltage charge. So I could change each one of those balls or bubbles or balloons, um, I could change them from opaque to transparent with an electronic charge. And so there was the hook. No movable parts, just low voltage, and using programmable and AI pro- programma- programmable systems to actually track the sun and always provide shade on the spectators.
5: Hi, I'm Zafi Ahmed. I'm an art teacher here at New Roads. So my favorite project was my most recent solo show um, as part of my thesis graduate program. Um, I attended Claremont Graduate University inland here in Southern California. Um, My solo show was titled Arabesque, um, and I'm especially proud of it because I was able to stop doing everything I was doing for two years and just dedicate myself fully and immerse myself just solely on one project. Like, I was working full-time prior, and so I was always split between all the things that I do. So to, to stop and just dedicate yourself to one thing for that amount of length of time, I think I'm very proud of that that moment in my life. Um, and I got to like have that be my culminating thing. So after two years of research, I was able to um, come out with a show and it was a solo show that was just mine that featured six works of art um, and two of them were large scale immersive installations with reflective components. Um, one of the pieces was 12 feet tall by 37 feet wide. So, um, if you know me, I'm not a person of tall stature. So, uh, to, to have like a a piece that's also so physically, um, large, um, I'm especially proud of. Um, And then through that time, I I just feel like now I have a body of work that I'm still continuing to investigate. Um, But I'm proud to say that I have something that I'm passionate about that I'm exploring to this day. Um, And that topic, my specific work explores the idea of pattern and the idea that pattern is a decorative device, but also we are living forms of pattern. And uh, a hashtag is a pattern, our routines and everyday things is a pattern. And uh, I'm just excited that I have this topic that I'm especially passionate about that I can explore every day in my in my daily art practice, and my practice here through teaching. I notice all the, the patterns of our day to day and include it in my art practice. So
1: Today's episode featured Gwendolyn Wiley, Corey Wallace, Sophia Rosenblatt, Jacob Alexander, Safi Ahmed, music by New Roads teacher Ruben Ramos, former New Roads student Isaiah Brody, and Lo-Fi-Roo. Production by me, Dan Carney. I'm also the eighth grade history teacher here at New Roads. Be sure to tune in next time for more Voices from the Village.